Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. We are starting a series in 1 Timothy, so if you have a Bible, if you're on your phone, go to 1 Timothy for me, and while you're turning there, I got one question that I'm gonna continue to ask tonight, and if you don't take notes, my ask tonight is that you would at least pull out your phone and write down this question and answer it. Here's the question. What are you focused on? What, what are you focused on? And don't just stare at me, write down your answer. What are you focused on? Like when you think, man, this is the thing that really controls not just you know, thoughts, it's directional. Like if I'm so focused on this thing, what is it? Is it, is it money? Is it like, man, I gotta get more money in order to pay bills and that's all I think about. Is it a degree? Is it, man, I gotta go get my master's degree and then go get my doctorate? What is that thing that you're so focused on that it almost is beginning to control your life in such a way that it makes decisions for you? Is it your image? Is it that, man, like I gotta continue to refresh because I just posted on social media and I'm so focused on about what everybody else thinks. What's that thing that you're focused on? Come on, what is it? Write that thing down. Don't lie, be honest. What are you focused on? Because the thing that you think about the most is leading you somewhere. What are you focused on? That's a very important question, not just for us in this room, but especially if you wanna call yourself a leader, which all of us, somebody's following us, right? If you wanna call yourself a leader, that's a really important question to answer. What are you focused on? We're kicking off a series in 1 Timothy, and I am so excited for this book because, man, whenever you really look at what this book is about, they're writing to people who are trying to lead through some difficulties in the early church, and that's what's going on. And man, if we wanna honestly know what God says is a leader, I think we got the best outline right here in the Bible. And I wanna show you what that is and what God calls a leader. See, we live in a culture, and this is a buzzword, right? Leadership, lead, vision, all this stuff. Like, what, what is it? Like, what is an actual leader? I think whenever I say leader, and when our culture says leader, and, and you know what, it's beginning to infect the church. Like, when we say leader, you're probably thinking like, hey, this guy, uh, like he can speak really good, like he knows how to cast vision, he's domineering, strong personality, right? Like, that's a leader, right? I think the Bible says something different, and I wanna show you that over the next several weeks. What is actually a leader? What should mark a leader? This is a buzzword, but hey, we are adding things on top of what the Bible said is a leader. I wanna show you men who led in the early church, and I wanna just simply be honest, like, hey, why am I holding a Bible? I'm not holding a John Maxwell book up here. I'm holding the Bible because God created all things, we believe that this book is not like any other book. We believe that it's, it's breathed out by God. Therefore, if you want a, a manual on leadership, we got it right here. You wanna know how to cast vision? You got it right here. You wanna know how to tell a good story? You got a story right here. Here's your leadership manual right here. And that's why we're looking at the Bible over the next several weeks. Let me ask you this. Before I start talking leadership, let's ask a, a simple question. Does God desire to use leaders? You betcha. I mean, you look at how God worked through, through men and women throughout the entire scriptures. Think about a guy like Moses. 
special guy, but I mean, like, there's nothing really crazy about him. Good dude, but God said, hey, this is my guy, and I'm gonna use you. And you know what, he, he goes on, there's a guy named David, he uses him as well. God desires for people to not just sit back and let things happen in the world and not step up and lead. What qualifies a leader? Simple answer, why am I here? Like, why am I the guy on stage right now? Is there something special about me? No. Man, I just submitted myself to God. There's your definition of leadership. You wanna be a leader? Submit yourself to God, period. That's it. <laughs> we overthink this whole thing. You wanna make an impact? Submit yourself to God. That's leadership. We're watering it down, man. Anything extra? It ain't biblical. I wanna show you this book called First Timothy. We're gonna unpack this a little bit. Let's jump right in. First Timothy chapter one, verse one. This is what it says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. All right, so what do we know from this first verse? The guy writing it, his name's Paul. We're saying this is a book about leadership, so what qualifies him to talk about leadership? Let's look at his life. Let's take a step back. Who's Paul? Why do we think he knows something about leadership? Honestly, Paul isn't real qualified to lead. You look at his life, what qualifies him? Honestly, he's a bad dude. Like, he's not a good person. And to be honest, I don't even know if we'd hire him here at this church. He's got a pretty rough, you do a background check on that brother, he's got some issues going on. We probably wouldn't, I mean, just saying. Essentially, when you look at Paul, it says the apostle. What's that mean, that word? It's, we kind of throw that around. It's essentially God chose 12 men to lead the church. These are like the CEOs of the first church. They're the leaders. They're the board of directors, right? So that's what Paul is. Whenever he says an apostle, he's one of those key leaders that's starting the first church. But Paul's not a good dude, so why is he leading? Why is he leading? Paul, like, it's almost like, you know he killed Christians? and he wrote 75% of the New Testament. What, that doesn't make sense, y'all, for real. What happened for him to be the guy in charge when he was living like that, what happened? Let me ask you one more time, what are you focused on? Because if you would've followed Paul's life, it's clear, y'all, for real, what this dude's focused on. Let me show you this. He, I think maybe the best verse to show you this would be 1 Corinthians 15, verses three and four. This is what it says. So he's, he's writing to a church, a startup church, and this is what he says. For I delivered to you as of first importance, so he's saying, hey, this is the number one most important thing about Paul the Apostle, here it is. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That's the most important thing. He goes on, he says, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day and in, in accordance with the scripture. What's all that mean? What's he saying? He's saying, this is the number one most important thing. And you know what? We wanna check out right now because we've heard that before. But if you wanna be a leader that makes an impact, you can't check out what he's saying. Don't check out. What he's saying is the number one most important thing is that Jesus was exactly who he said he was and I'm taking him at his word and I'm gonna follow him. But notice what he says in verse three. He said, I also received this. So he's, he's essentially in the Taliban. He's killing Christians, y'all. Okay? He receives that Jesus dies on a cross for his sins. He realizes, like, this is a real thing. Like, Jesus actually died for my sins. I'm forgiven of everything that I've done. Therefore, when I turn in my resume, there, it doesn't matter. I'm a new man. And he, he realizes this is true. 
This is the leader right here. This is, this is what marks this leader. And then he's saying, not only does it impact me, is it my motivation, is it my focus? He's also saying, I delivered this to you as first importance. This is the number one thing that would mark, part, mark, mark Paul's life. So much so, he wanted other people to know this so bad in Romans chapter nine. Go read this on your own, this is crazy. He would say that he's willing to go to hell so that other people can come to know Christ. What? This dude was focused on one thing. He wants to know Christ and he wants everybody to know Christ. That's it. Like, <laughs> you read it, there's, I could do some like theological jumping and try to make this sound fun and cool and trendy and then do some things where it sounds like I'm on a podcast that's not actually Christian but we call it like biblical leadership. You don't get Paul unless Jesus dies on the cross. You get Saul, who's a murderer and a member of the Taliban. Unless Jesus goes to the cross, you got a murder. That's it. So you never get the leader without the cross. That's it. And if you miss this, you will miss the entirety. Seriously, you miss the entirety of biblical leadership. This is why I'm hitting on this so heavy. Because we have people who claim to be biblical leaders, but they never talk about Jesus. That's not what I see in here. That's not biblical leadership. Jesus, or, or Paul is saying like over and over, like this is what I'm about. Jesus Christ and him crucified, that's it. Also, Paul, he would have been the guy who showed up and planted this church. So he's writing a letter, 1 Timothy. He's writing to this young man named Timothy who then is gonna read it to a church that's in modern day Turkey, it's called Ephesus. So that's the church he's writing to. And in Acts 19, we get to see how Paul planted the church, okay? So Acts 19 is the beginning of the church that he's writing to. So I wanna understand what was the foundation of the church that he's writing to. That's important to understand. Like, if we're gonna spend some time, let's understand what the book's actually about. So you find that in Acts 19. So Acts 19 is where you get the beginning of this church. But before I get there, if I was to follow you, where would you lead me? Okay, we're talking about leadership. If I was to follow you, where would you lead me? Meaning, if I was to follow you, because we all got followers, right? We're all leading somebody. Are we going, like, are we just kind of moseying around? Like, there's no real direction. Like, oh, we're going to work today, and then we're doing this. Or maybe if I follow you, man, like, we make a lot of money. Or, or if I follow you, man, we just, we're lazy. If I was to follow you, where are we going? Because if you were to follow this man, Paul, you knew where you were going. Acts 19, verses one to 10, what you see, he shows up to Ephesus, this modern day Turkey, and what does he see? He sees a few Christians, and this dude is so set on the same thing. He doesn't move on, okay? He shows up and he just starts preaching the gospel. Jesus came, he dies. Verse 10, read this. This continued for two years. So for two years straight, Paul wakes up, he just is preaching this message of Jesus. Okay, this is the leader. This is what you would have seen in the leader that planted this whole thing. You wanna know what biblical leadership is? It's right here, verse 10. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Do you get that? That's saying that Paul shared the gospel and this movement called Christianity was growing so much that everyone heard about it in Asia. Like that didn't make a lot of sense to me, but about a month ago, I was in the water 
that would have taken me to Asia. Like I was in modern Turkey, like I was there. I was on this boat that took me over there. Like Paul would have been in the same water on a boat to go and share the gospel. And it's just like, dang, this guy is focused, man. There's one thing that marked this dude, he was focused. And if you're gonna be a leader, where are you taking me? If I follow you, where are we going? Answer that question. Like, is it clear? Where are we going? Because if you're following Paul, you know where you're going. It goes on, there's a riot that breaks out at this church in this city called Ephesus. Riot breaks out, you figure they're trying to kill Christians at this point because they sell these little things called idols, which sounds really silly. They're like little wooden figures, people would worship them. And that's kinda how they supported the city, but then they start losing all this money and, and they, they're losing money because Christianity's growing, they can't buy these idols anymore. We think that's silly, but really, I mean, we ain't missing a single snap of the chiefs. We, we, we laugh at idols today, but we still got them. Whether it's money, image, we still have idols. So they don't like it, Christianity's growing, so Paul rolls up, there's a riot that breaks out because they're trying to kill these Christians. Paul goes, we're going in, I'm gonna go share the gospel. That's the leader. Man, it was just so clear what this guy was doing as a leader. He's passionate about one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified, that's it. So the backdrop, the foundation of this church, it's a simple one word, it's focus. If you're gonna be a leader who makes any impact anywhere, you gotta be focused. That's point number one, focus is the foundation. And really, the rest of this is gonna go back to that, okay? I'm not just saying that, like I'm not making this a really clear point and then I'm like, all right, now I'm gonna tell you something else that's really important. No, really, that is it. He's a one-trick pony, Paul. Like he's showing up, he's preaching Christ. He goes to the next city, he's preaching Christ. He's a one-trick pony and he made such an impact. He impacted everybody in here and we're reading the letter tonight. And if you wanna make an impact, you gotta be focused. What are you focused on? What's the thing that you're thinking about? If you wanna be a leader that makes an impact, what are you focused on? What's the thing, man? Like, what is it? I want your life to count for real. What are you focused on? If I follow you, where are we going? And as a leader, if you're not focused, you cannot be effective. You just will not be effective. When we look at the foundation of the church that he's writing to, it's about Jesus Christ, period. That's it. I played college baseball and the coach that I played for um, on the East Coast, he kinda has a rap for being just like, <laughs> he's fiery, like he gets on ESPN all the time because of his pregame speeches. So, he would get us together and he had this one speech he would always give us. He'd be like, fellas, we're gonna keep the main thing, the main thing. This is after like a six hour practice and you're just like, that's right. We're gonna keep the main thing, the main thing. He's like firing me up. And I, the first year I played for this guy, I was like, I'm about that. Like I'm about the main thing. Second year rolls around, I start thinking, I'm like, yo, what is the main thing? I don't think he's ever actually said what it was. For real, I was like, and then, we, and then I started to get a little mad. I'm like, what is the main thing, man? Like he's giving this speech, all the freshmen are like, let's go, let's go. I'm like, y'all are tripping. But if you were to follow Paul, you knew the main thing. 
And if you're gonna be a leader that makes an impact, if I was to ask you, the people that are following you, hey, what's the main thing about her? What's, what's the main thing about him? What would they say? Would they say, oh man, it's Jesus, or would they not? Be honest. Like if I was to go to your work, and I was to say, hey man, what's the main thing about her? Would they say, hey man, honestly, he's really stressed all the time. Like I, I don't know what his main thing is. He seems to be so worried that it seems like he, his foundation, I don't know. What's your main thing? Because if you're following Paul, if you wanna be a leader, the main thing for him, if you wanna be a biblical leader, it's Jesus. Has to be Jesus. Your focus has to be on Jesus, and that's the foundation of this church. With the people who, who followed Paul, they just knew straight up, hey man, this guy is about Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 2, 2, this is what he says. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm saying the same thing, y'all. This is Paul, though. He's saying it so many different ways. He's saying, I've, I've acted like I knew nothing else except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Did he know other things? You bet. You know he knew, all, he knew more Bible than all of us. He had it memorized. But he didn't show up and make little things big things. He made the main thing the main thing. Everybody knew the focus of what we're gonna be about is Jesus Christ. And if you're gonna be a biblical leader, man, I can't turn it any other way. When you read the scripture, man, you gotta be about Jesus Christ, that's it. We got too many people that stand on a stage on Sunday mornings and they don't make that the main thing. I don't see that here. If you're a biblical leader, man, you are preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you wanna make an impact, you don't need to be a master of many things. You don't need to know all these degrees. You don't need to be, have all these trades. Really what you need is you need to be mastered by one thing and that's Jesus Christ. You don't need to master all these things. You need to be mastered by one thing and it's a person named Jesus Christ. That's it. Period, like if you just set your sights on Jesus, you will change the world. Why am I passionate about this? Because we got people wasting their life. We buried two more people in this church today and they played a song. Well done, good and faithful servant. Man, the clock is ticking on our life. I don't wanna wait till I'm 40 years old for it to count. I wanna start counting it now. Make your life count. Set your sights on Jesus. If you wanna make an impact, man, you gotta set your sights on Jesus. You don't need to be the master of many things. You simply need to be mastered by Christ. I'm begging you, set your sights on Christ. This is the main truth. It's the backdrop of this whole book, that Christ would be everything. First Timothy 1, 2, it says this. To Timothy, this is Paul writing to Timothy, my true child in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I think it's stopping and worth, worth mentioning. How old's Timothy? He's calling him a child. Like, is this a little 12-year-old? Who is he? He's about 30 years old at this time. He's not really a baby believer at all. Like, he's, he's been following Jesus for some for some time, he's battle tested, okay? He's been sent to Corinth, okay? That's another church where they had some issues, like real issues. He's been sent to Thessalonica and now he's getting sent to this church. This is like first lieutenant, okay? He's not a little baby, he's not just a little child. Paul's saying like, hey, 
go be you, man. Like, go take care of this thing. So he's sending Timothy, because that's his guy. Verse three says this, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain, circle that word, remain, underline it, remain. Remain at Ephesus, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. So somebody's teaching something different, but he says this, remain. That's the key word right there that I want you to see. Paul and Timothy, they've met up separately, that's what we know from this, and this is the, the first thing he says, and the most common thing that's commanded in this book is to be faithful, to stay there, remain. Just stay there, Timothy. You can imagine, Timothy, he's replacing Paul. You've heard me talk about Paul. I mean, could you imagine the insecurity you would have replacing this guy? Like, I, he, he wasn't like the weekend guy. Like, Paul didn't come in and do all this work and plant this startup church, peace out after a week. He's there for three years. So these people know Paul. They have a relationship with Paul. But Tim, Timothy's there, and he's kind of like filling in this gap. He's wearing shoes that maybe be a little bit big for him. And he's saying, remain there, because he knows, like, Timothy probably, he's not comfortable. And what I want us to see is that if we're gonna make an impact, we must be faithful. But don't forget, hey, don't forget, what's the main thing? It's your focus, what are you focused on? Point number two, your focus determines your faithfulness. You don't move past your focus, okay? You can't move past focus and just become faithful because if you're just faithful for faithfulness sake, you burn out. It's all connecting back to that one thing, man, that one thing that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he was and that's why you're faithful. Faithfulness for faithfulness sake doesn't work. You may hear this said, I'm focus, you hear it in leadership talks, you may hear it called, hey, you gotta know your why. You've heard that before, you gotta know your why. Start with why. A guy named Simon Sinek, he wrote a book in 2009, it's called Start With Why, it blew up, man. Like, this is the craziest thing we've ever heard. I mean, like, come on now. It was written in 2009, this was written in 30 AD. Who, who was first here? Like, who's ripping off who? There's nothing new under the sun. And God, he created leadership and he is not shocked by the latest and greatest tip and trick, and you cannot be faithful for faithfulness sake, you gotta go back to your focus. You can't just tell people, hey, go do this. That's why little kids, they're always asking, why? 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 Innately in us, we wanna know why. If you're in a church, or if you wanna follow Jesus, or if you wanna be a biblical leader, what's your why? It's gotta be Christ. It has to be. And if it's not, you burn out. Biblical leaders are faithful, not just because they're strong, not because they've figured out something, they're pulling up their bootstraps. No, the reason they're faithful was Christ was faithful first. And they're looking at Jesus to empower them to be faithful. I mean, are we reading the same book sometimes? I mean, like, <laughs> why do we wanna rip God off and take it and go make it our own thing when he desperately wants us. Where's your focus? What are you focused on? Because if you're not focused on Christ, you can't be faithful. You can't be faithful. And research shows us, a recent study by the Gallup Business Journal says that 21% of millennials say that they've changed jobs within the past year. 
So maybe that's you. Maybe you've changed jobs which is, which, uh, in the last year, which is more than three times the number of non-millennials. And here's the reason why. Research is telling us why are people changing jobs, millennials specifically, that's us. Here it is, not feeling a sense of purpose. And what research is telling us is that when you are working a job that doesn't have your focus on something greater than your performance and how much you make, man, you get tired of it. Like you're just ready to go to the next thing. That's why you're wrestling with it. Even right now, you're like, I don't know if I wanna stay at this job. Well, maybe that's true, but maybe the reason you don't wanna stay at that job, go back to it, what are you focused on? Like what are you focused on? Because if you're focused on the wrong thing, yeah, you're gonna get tired. And hey, I'm preaching to the choir tonight, y'all, for real. I get tired, but you know what I need more than anything else? Christ, that's it. (laughs) Like I'm tired, I go to Christ. If you wanna be a leader that lasts, if you wanna be faithful, man, you keep going back to Jesus, you have to. There's just no other way to put it. If you wanna make an impact, your focus determines your faithfulness. I know where I'm going tomorrow. Like I know where I'm going tomorrow because Jesus has already determined that for me. Therefore, I can be faithful today. I'm not determined today by how I feel, my circumstances, because my focus is not just on today. I'm seeing past today. We tracking? And only a focused leader can be a faithful leader. Do you wanna make an impact? Do you want your life to count? Then you gotta be focused on the right thing. There ain't nothing more dangerous than me walking into a grocery store without a grocery list, for real. It's bad. Or Home Depot. Home Depot's worse, actually. Like, I walk into Home Depot without a list and a plan and the app out, like, aisle seven. Okay, aisle seven. And go directly to it. I'll just be in there kind of like loitering around. Like, hey, look at this. You know, we could use an extra weed eater. Look at this one, honey. Get over here. And, you know, just buying anything. And what that is, what that, I know you've been there. You do it at the grocery store. I swear I walk into a grocery store. It's like I got hit by a flashbang. I'm like, where are we? What are we doing here? My wife's like, come on, let's go. I'm like, where are we going? But what that is, what, what that is, when we lose sight of why we are, we, what we're doing, we'll lose our way. When we don't know why we're doing what we're doing, we lose our way. So how can you be faithful when you don't have a focus? It's the same thing walking around. Just You're gonna loiter through life, just kind of walking around, moseying around. Now I'm 40, now I'm 50, and life's over. What are you focused on? What are you focused on? Because a leader who isn't focused cannot be faithful. And, and we overestimate We do this, we overestimate what we can do on our own in a short amount of time, and then we underestimate what God could do for a long season of faithfulness. I mean, golly, the people who are gonna make the biggest impact in this world, they're not the flashiest, they're not the coolest, they're just the people who are like, man, we're gonna go this way, and I'm just gonna keep going that way, and I'm gonna overcome obstacles, and it's gonna be hard, but I'm just gonna keep going. Those are the people that change the world. They're just faithful. But they're faithful, not because they're faithful on their own, they're looking back to Jesus to make them faithful. It all goes back to Christ, it has to. And if you find yourself struggling to just be faithful where you're at, man, I would question you, you're not focused on the right thing, period. 
The thing that's gonna empower you to be faithful is Christ. See, the gain in Christian leadership has nothing to do with me, okay? The reason why you would be a leader, a biblical leader, it can't be about you. When it's about you as a biblical leader, that's selfish. I don't see anything in Paul, Timothy, Titus, nothing about that has anything to do with those guys gaining things. It has everything to do with them leveraging their life for others, and it's hard. It's really, really hard. And what we wanna do, we wanna make ministry, we wanna make biblical leadership a throne, and in all reality, what it actually is, it's a cross. It, it's not a throne, it's not about me. It's my life being poured out for the sake of others. Ministry. Leadership, it's not about us. It has to be about others. And you can't be faithful until you see the one who actually dies on the cross for you. That's how you make an impact. That's how you be the leader God needs you to be. Timothy, he would have known this about Paul. This wouldn't have been a new thing he's introducing. In Philippians 3, let me just say this before I read this verse. Paul's in jail. Paul's in jail in this verse. Read what he says, Philippians 3, 14. I press on toward the goal. What's the goal? For the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. He's in jail saying this. And what's the goal? Timothy would have known. Hey, it's always Christ. I'm, I'm seeing past these circumstances the fact that Paul's in jail. He's saying, hey, it doesn't matter, man. I'm pushing on. I'm gonna keep going because Christ. What's the prize? It's Christ. What are you focused on? Is it a business? Is it your success? Is it a relationship? Is it the image that you have to maintain and it cripples you and you're insecure about it? What are you focused on? I'm pleading you to get your mind off of that and look to Jesus. What are you focused on? And the irony is we will give our life to things that will not be here in 100, 150 years. Like you can give your life to getting that Tesla. You can, I know people who do this. They're, they're leveraging their life for this business or whatever that thing is, a girl, like only thing that's gonna be here in 100, 150 years, the only thing that's gonna matter is the souls of men in Jesus Christ. That's it. Don't waste your life. What are you focused on? And it's not crazy to cut things out that distract you. Like some of you know, like, hey man, every time I get on my phone and I start scrolling, like I wake up, I just start scrolling and it distracts me from the thing that I know I need to be focused on. You need to cut it out. That's not me being legalistic. That's me caring enough to tell you the thing that matters most, if it distracts you from that thing, just do whatever it takes, protect it. Protect what your mind is on, your focus. If you wanna make an impact, you gotta be focused on this one thing, Jesus Christ. A leader who isn't focused cannot be faithful. And if you would hear me up here and you're like, good night, I don't even know Christ, man, you're coming in hot at me. Let me tell you this, you're in a great spot. And if you want your life to count and you've just stumbled in here, you're like, I don't even know, like I got invited, I didn't know it was gonna be like this, but hey, let me tell you something. I never would have thought I'd be up here, never. 
I was an atheist. I would have called this whole thing baloney. They haven't brainwashed me to get me up here. I researched it, I tried to disprove it. You can't disprove it, it actually happened. And if you're gonna make any impact, your focus has to be on Christ and Him crucified. I don't lead from Christ and we cannot lead from Christ to just be faithful. I lead from Christ because He was first faithful to me. And I look at his example, and that's the thing that's always empowering me, always keeping me going back. Like, life is hard. It's really, really hard. What's gonna get you through it? You're not, we're not strong enough, guys, for real. We are not strong enough. We need something greater than our own strength. Self-help, come on. Just think about it. What, what is self-help that's you saying that I can get through this on my own? That's not true. It will break you, this life will break you. You need something bigger than yourself and you need something bigger than someone else. That someone else has to be Christ. What are you focused on? If we're leading from selfish gain, we're serving ourselves, And that's what's going on in this passage. And the reason why he's writing is because there's people that are leading these people astray. That's why Paul's writing. Okay, the backdrop is Christ and him crucified, period. But the reason why he's writing the letter, he's about to explain it, is that people are stepping into the church and they're leading people astray. That's what's going on, verse four. It says, or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which sounds really weird. I'm like, what does that even mean? The first time I read something like that. Really what he's saying is, to put it simply, they're teaching things that are distracting. You know, what we see today is everybody thinks they're a politician when they're really a pastor. Like, I don't need your take on politics. I don't need your take on the vaccine, I'm good. I have a doctor, I'm good. What I need and what you need from a biblical leader is not their take on politics, not even, you don't even really need their take as much on Christian living. That's like, whoa, what do you mean? What you need them to do is constantly Point you back to Christ. Just you need the gospel. That's the job of a biblical leader and what's going on in verse four and what's going on and the reason why he's writing this is that people are getting distracted because guys are coming in, they're calling themselves biblical leaders and they're not teaching the gospel. That's what's going on. It goes on, it says, such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. I mean, that verse right there, I don't know if we see that right now. You Turn on YouTube, you try to watch a sermon, we got 40,000 comments about everybody's a false teacher. It's, it's, div it's division. If we would just center everything back on this one thing that Christ and him crucified, focus. What are you focused on? He goes on in verse five, he tells us what this type of teaching or biblical teaching actually produces. So he just said that false teaching produces speculations and then he's gonna say in verse five what it actually should produce. Here it is. The aim of our charge or the aim of our teaching is love. Love. You maybe hear me say that and you're like, no way that's true because I grew up in a church where that was anything but love. Like the guy who stood on stage, I saw his life behind the scenes and this dude was straight sketch and I am so sorry for that. But I want you to know that's not biblical leadership. That's using God to advance your influence. That's not biblical. That's not okay. But this is teaching and what Paul is saying 
is that if you're teaching actual, the actual Bible, it will produce love. And then it goes on to say, it issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And you're like, no way, there's no way. Because I grew up in a church where like these guys, they didn't even walk it out. We left the building and it was just like, they were a completely different person. And really the guy who taught the Bible on stage, it looked like he could hit a nap at any moment. He just bored up there. But the Bible's teaching that it's gotta produce these things if someone's actually teaching the gospel, Jesus Christ. Verse six says this, certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion. So Paul would have been thinking about a guy who started teaching false things that he used to be with. Verse seven, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they're saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. So not only are they teaching false things, they're doing it confidently. They're like sure of it. And then eight through 11, how it finishes out, it's people, it explains what they're actually starting to teach. They're, they're using the Old Testament almost as a weapon against people that you have to do certain things in order to be a believer, in order to be a Christian. And guess what that is? That's divisive. And we see this all the time. But what I want you to see from these verses, go back to verse five, circle it, love. That true biblical leadership, actual leadership according to Paul the Apostle, and God is speaking through this man, it's love. It has to produce love. Point three, your focus, always going back to it, your focus determines your fruit. Because if you're focused on always teaching Christ, what comes out of that has to be what was in Christ, which is love. You seeing it? Are you seeing if you teach actual leadership, it's not about you. It has to be about love from a sincere heart. And it produces a genuine faith. Why am I so passionate about this? Because we have too many people claiming to be leaders that are not doing this. They're not producing. My goal tonight is not my success. That's distracting. My goal is not to help you just like do stuff. That's distracting. My goal is not just for you, whatever it is. My goal is for you to love. That's why I'm so passionate about this. The goal of biblical leadership, the output of that has to be love. The word used here for love in the Greek, it would be the word agape. And maybe you've heard this before, but the first time I heard this, this blew my mind. That this word, they didn't even know what to call these Christians, okay? They didn't know what to call it. They would see them do these things that were so sacrificial that they had to make up another word because they were seeing these Christians sacrifice for one another in a way that it was like they almost forgot themselves. That they were willing to literally lay down their life for one another. They had to come up with a word called agape. The closest word we got to it is sacrifice. So as men, we get a little nervous about love because we don't actually understand what it is. What it actually is, it's like, I will lay down my life for you. That's leadership. Leadership is me saying, I will literally lay down my life for you. I love you so much. I want this for you so bad that I'm gonna pour my life out so that you can know this God that came, lives a perfect life. He dies on a cross for your sins and my sins. There's no other way. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus would say that it's not about your devotion, 
It's not about you leaving here and signing up for something. It's not about that. It's about you trusting Christ and it goes back to the focus. It's always gonna go back to Christ. How do we know that this would have marked Christ? Think about it, sacrifice. How did he demonstrate love? Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the greatest form of leadership we will ever see. That if love is the actual fruit of leadership, how do you top him dying for you? You can't. That's why he's the greatest leader to ever live. No one will top him. He's the champion of the world. He's the MVP. He's everything. And I want you to know him so bad because I want your life to count. The reason why I'm passionate about this is because when I look out over here, when I think about what paradigm is and what paradigm isn't, paradigm isn't this thing that gathers just at seven o'clock. It's not, it can't be. It has to be something more than that. If paradigm stops right when we leave, we're not walking out what this book says. It has to be something more. Paradigm, look around, look how many people are here tonight. If you left and we just walked out, leadership, if one of you would just say, like, I will go all in with this. Like, I'm just gonna be focused on Christ, man. And I'm gonna point people back to him all day long. It's, it doesn't take a gifted person to lead. It really doesn't. Leaders, they would produce love because that is what Jesus, that is what he was. That's the best shot we got. We say God is love and that's a true statement, but really we're not gonna get to heaven and go, there he is, love. You're gonna hit your face because that is gonna be the greatest thing you've ever seen because he died for you and you can't even begin to fathom the beauty, the majesty. My words don't do him justice. We're gonna show up and every sacrifice will be worth it. Do you want your life to count? What are you focused on? What are you focused on? You know why I love 1 Timothy? It's a book about leading. And when I look at this room, I see potential for real. I'm not just saying that. If we literally just turned our lives inside out and started living for others and actually did this, we wouldn't just change our city. We would actually change the entire world. I'm not kidding. I've seen God use very normal people in this auditorium to lead others to Christ so that they would come to know this, this man named Jesus. And it's just this ripple effect, man. And it's crazy. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this, that God, he's looking to and fro. He's searching the whole earth for one person, just one person that will go all in and will say, I'll give my life. I don't know what all I'm doing, but I'll say this, I'm gonna be focused on Jesus. He says, I will commit myself to them. Where are the men and where are the women who really wanna lead that way? It doesn't take a special person to be a biblical leader. It just takes a focused person. What are you focused on? Please, if you don't know him, you gotta know him. He's worth every sacrifice. And he's gonna be there for you and he will not forsake you, not for a second. The reason why you're here tonight is to hear this message. Don't be confused. God wants to use you for real. He can use you. I am like the most average dude ever. Chad Glover is an average guy. We aren't anything special. We simply have submitted ourselves to God, and I know plenty of other you have, 
but more of us can, and we can literally change the world. The answer to all the issues that you see in this world can be found in Christ. Let me pray that some of you would go all in with him. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're good and that, man, God, you do want to use us in spite of our deficiencies. I pray that you would be my friends right now who in their mind, they're thinking of every reason why you can't use them. God, get that out of their mind right now. Father, I pray that you would be with them. I pray for friends that don't know you right now and that they would trust you with their life. I pray for men and women that they would just draw a line in the sand and they would say, hey, I don't know all the answers, but I wanna lead, God. Can you empower me to do that? And that you would overwhelmingly say yes to that question. God, we don't have what it takes. We need you desperately to lead us. I thank you for what you did at the cross, that it's the greatest example of leadership and love that we will ever see. I pray that our focus would always be on you. In Christ's name I pray, amen.